David Edgar from the Heart and Hand podcast. How you going? I'm, David. Good, I'm good, Harvey. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. It's good to have you. Um, I met David last year. I don't know if you remember, we were at uh, one of the first uh, live shows at the Loudon. You don't tend to forget a name like Harvey that no. often in Scotland. No, you don't forget. Gotham yeah. City, perhaps, um, it's more common, but, but Glasgow, not so much. No, uh, someone once referred to me and my pal Lachlan as the bourgeoisie as Rangers of the Rangers support, so you know, I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> well, uh, there, there's only so many ways you can take it, I think, without... Yeah, I, don't, without... I don't know who else would be in our company, but we'll, we'll find out later on, I guess. Um, so, uh, David uh, runs, I'm going to quite say, the successful podcast Heart and Hand. Can you give us a wee detail, tell us about Heart and Hand and its history, David? Um... Yeah, I mean, we started it in 2010. I used to be, many years ago, the spokesman for the Rangers Supporters Trust, which was one of, one of the forerunners of Club 1872 yeah. for younger listeners. And at the end of that, uh, once I decided I'd kind of had enough of it because it was quite a, a draining role, uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to do something a lot lighter. Um, and I thought that... Basically, it all came about because one day I, I listened to podcasts at the time when I was travelling and I liked the, uh, the Guardian one, uh, the oh, yeah, Football Weekly, and I liked uh, the Times, uh, the game from the Times. Back in the days when Phil Jupitus was the host and uh, yeah. Gab Marcotti was the annoying panellist uh, rather than the... I think this is about my days, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, that, that's how long ago it was. <laughs> but I, I started listening because there weren't that many at the time. Yeah. And I started listening to a couple, the Spurs show and an Arsenal podcast... The Tuesday Club. Um, the, no, well, it was it was a forerunner to Tuesday Club, but it was Alan Davis and those guys. It was, uh, it's all up for grabs. It's up for grabs now. Uh, yeah, that was it. And yeah, yeah. I really liked it, even though I'm not an Arsenal or a Tottenham fan. I just I liked the humour. And I said yeah. to one of my friends, "I wish somebody would do something like that for us, for Rangers." Mm-hmm. And he said, "You do it." And I said, well, "I can't do it." He said, "You do it. Why not? You're funny. Your friends are funny." I thought, "Well, fuck it. Yeah. Why not? We'll give it a try." So I contacted the guys who made that. Playback media, and I said, Look, you know, Rangers Supporters Trust, blah blah. I've got some experience of you know speaking in the public, so I, I, I'm fairly confident I know what I'm doing. And they said, well, Right, great, let's record a pilot and we'll see what happens. And we did. And that week it went to number one on the iTunes sports chart. And they were like, First episode, first episode yeah. And they were like, Fuck. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I was, uh, Can I swear on your show, incidentally? I've just realized, yeah, of course yeah. you can, good, of course, good. Yeah. Um, and I'm so used to having my own shows. <laughs> I don't really know if there's ah, don't be daft, no. rules in place. Quite a few ex- uh, swear words on this. Is, yeah, uh, long run. I think don't worry about it. Right, good. And uh, yeah, so it just sort of immediately took off. I mean, not to the heights that it reached. And then after about you know as things develop, uh, technology develops and whatnot, we've been doing it pretty consistently. Bar one break where I wasn't well, we did it for you know seven years to start this season. And then yeah. I'd been toying for a while with the idea of doing a subscription service because I wanted mm. to expand it rather than it just being uh, growing by this stage to twice weekly. And it's got a big audience. We usually get between eighty and 100,000. I think the record that we ever got was the Kevin Thompson interview, which actually got about 250,000 and uh, is one of the most downloaded pods ever in Scotland, ever, any subject. Uh, although I'll, yeah. give, I'll give Kev the credit for that one rather than me. Yeah. But, he's done a live stream with you as well, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's doing another one in Dunfermline on May the 11th. Um, yeah. yeah he's, he's very much Heart and Hand's favourite footballer. Um, although yeah. I, I will plug as well, we're doing another night at the Loudon on the 8th of June yeah. with Clint Hill. So, uh, oh, 
nice. Yeah, so Cammy is uh, Cammy's worked his magic with him. Uh, and yeah. the good thing about it is we just make them join the panel. It's not, you know, we don't do the traditional thing. It's they, they have to just join in and muck about with the rest of us and uh, stand there as, as we, you know, talk about ice docking and things like that. So yeah. I, I'd been toying with us for a while, but I am a preternaturally lazy bastard. And I decided last year, place where I worked, I applied for voluntary redundancy and I got it. And that gave me you know, a really big financial cushion. And yeah. uh, luckily, just with my situation, I, I married up, and my wife, you know, is is you know <laughs> provides plenty of cash. And I was yeah. like, because my plan was I can be sort of semi-retired uh, at forty, and that was my plan. And mm-hmm. she said, okay, well, you'll need to do something, even if it's part time. And I said, right, I'm going to try this pod thing. I've been toying with it for years, and good God, it just exploded although the, the ironic thing is for somebody who was you know wanting to avoid working I now probably on the site work 70 hours a week but I love every every minute of it so that's that's yeah that's, that's what you want isn't it yeah absolutely and I never have to leave the house um, which is great because I hate leaving the house so there you go you're sorted right so David we're going to jump in for section one to talk about Rangers recent form Um, so I've got Noted down here, pre-Celtic game, you know, we'd, we'd, signed of, we'd, so, oh my God, we'd shown signs of progress since the turn of the year, we were losing to Hibs. So do you think this is down to Murray or is it just that we've got better players now? Well, both. If Murray's gonna get, Graham Murray's going to get the criticism for bad results, he should get the credit for good ones. And they were yeah. not only decent results, but they were good performances and they were good wins. And it was good football, it was enjoyable football. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I was at quite a lot of the games, and like for instance, Air was just the most brutal day imaginable. And the, oh, but, oh, yeah, the, the weather that day was unbelievable. Uh, I think we had to take shelter in a bus stop on the way home for a yeah, while. Snow is supposed uh, to be it was so bad. snow is not quite supposed to be as mixed with rain as that was, and yeah. it was a horrible day. But yeah, it was absolutely great because Rangers were playing great stuff and been a while since that had happened and okay it's air but still to see Rangers absolutely you know pummeling teams and scoring great goals and then of course we're doing it Hamilton did it St Johnston there were good performances Hibs I think was excusable I felt Rangers should have won that match but made a you know bad mistake James Tavernier so you kind of could excuse that and and yeah so Graham Marty did they are good players yes but better players um, than, than he had but equally He's he's getting criticism for bad results, and I think it's only fair that we give him the credit for the good ones. What really disappointed me was the reaction to the Celtic game. That after a really good run, six games and six games won in the row, that one yeah. defeat and not even a you know a, a, an absolute doing, not a four a four nil or a five one or whatever, just a game that. Rangers probably should have won, made errors and didn't. Um, that completely threw them off. And against Kilmarnock, there was none of the, we should have won that, we shouldn't have. Um, it was 1-0 and quite frankly, we could still be playing and we wouldn't have scored. I know. Right, so we're going to dissect the Celtic game. So um, we go in and I was pretty, I would say I was shell-shocked for the first goal. I, I don't even remember celebrating that much because I was so, so taken aback. Because I was sitting in front, so I had a really good view of Windus just nicking off by Aya. And I was thinking at the time, is there really many players in the league who can score the goal that he just did there? No, there aren't. There aren't. And that's the thing about Josh Windus, that he has mm-hmm. attributes that not a lot of players have. And yeah. this is why he's a subject of so much debate. Because if you look in that game, he's really made two contributions. But one was a goal and one should have been. And... Yeah. 
that's the the type of player that he is, and, and I was going to say unfortunately, but it, Graham Murray, I think, has always been more the type of guy who wants to concentrate on Josh Windass's positives rather than focus on his negatives. Um, and you're yeah. right about that goal, the the power, the surging run, the great finish. It's it's not something everyone can do. The problem is then when it becomes more of a battle. Um, I think that Josh Windass, because people maybe see him. And maybe Graham Murray could explain this a little better. People see him as a number 10 and someone who should be dropping into midfield, where history has told us he's absolutely useless. Like, he can't do it. When when Josh Windows tries to track down players, yeah. it, it's like he's remembering to do it. Um, it's like, he, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to run and chase him. So, there's, you know, it, it's not natural. And... He's he isn't he's really a, a second striker, a slightly deeper striker. Yeah, I thought it was but yeah. But in modern terms the argument that you could then throw up if I was to, to try and say that to defend him, I'm sure people could say, Look, David, modern football people strikers still have to work, they still have to come back, they still have to defend. The best ones do it. There's no reason he shouldn't and it's a fair point. But if you want to look at his good the the good things he does when he's on one of those runs he gets the timing right the goal at Pataudry was a wonderful example of that powerful run nobody was stopping him curved it perfectly arrived finished that one goal against Partick Thistle he does have that ability and it's not something that's that's universal yeah like I wouldn't say I think I heard the phrase luxury player I wouldn't go that far because I think He's, he's something that I, I wouldn't drop him for this game next month. I don't think we can afford to lose that potential of an impact of a goal or assist that he does have in his locker. The question is, though, I would go with three in the middle because I think that now that's Hibs who completely dominated the first half at Ibrox. Celtic yeah. and now Kilmarnock. That when Rangers run into a three-man midfield that has strength in it, as Celtic yeah. does, they do struggle. So then you have to lose somebody to combat that, and I'm afraid that given the way that Alfredo Morelos works, and you, you look at the first half, he bullied the, the Celtic defence. In fact, he bullied yeah. the Celtic defence for about 70 minutes. Um, mm. I, I, you can't really lose him. So for me, I would, I would be, I would be dropping Josh Windass to the bench with you know the, the the instructions that you will be coming on and we will need to use you at one point, but. <laughs> Luxury players probably a bit harsh, absolutely. Yeah. And in many, many, many games, Rangers can absolutely afford to have Josh Windass in the team. But I think against yeah. teams, teams have figured out the four-two-three-one that Rangers play. Yeah, good managers know how to combat it. You saw that on Saturday against Kilmarnock. Lennon Rogers. Yeah, Lennon Rogers, uh, Clark. You know, are experienced managers. They know what they're doing. Yeah. And you saw it, and we need the extra body in midfield. So, for instance, and, and I don't know if he'll be fit in time or not, but uh, Dorans should be fit, so he would be an option. I would be tempted to drop Windass and put Graham Dorans in there on the understanding that okay. that's a great weapon if you need a game-changer. And I yeah. think strength off the bench is something that we still suffer with, understandably, because a couple of months ago we had you know we didn't have strength in the team, never mind on the bench. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think that it's it's you have to make tough decisions sometimes. Josh Windass would play almost every game for me, but there are certain ones he wouldn't. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody is undroppable. They all have their their strengths. They all have their different uh, the, the, their different abilities. For me, I think in those type of matches, 
you need that. I would be really happy if we were going against Celtic in an ideal world with a midfield of McCrory, Goss and um, McCrory, Goss and Doherty because then you've got your strength, your guy who senses danger, you've got your athlete who can go box to box and you've got your passer. On paper, if we're all playing well obviously, that to me is a pretty solid midfield. Um, a friend of mine made a good point about uh, Doherty in the first goal. Um, see, after the first goal, I think you can see Murty going over and instructing Doherty to uh, man Rogic after that. And I think Doherty had a good game after that. But I'm thinking, why does Murty not, or why are we not, the whole team thinking, we know what Rogic can do to us. He should be being man-marked from the kickoff, really. We made errors, um, and they were errors of concentration. I mean, if you look at the, the three Celtic goals, all of them are yeah. great finishes. And I, I wouldn't, you know, argue that all of them are great finishes, but all of them yeah. are preventable. Um, and you know, the third in yeah. particular was a, an absolute disaster. There were on a tactic show on the site, um, the boys pinpointed what you would call six uh, points of failure from a Rangers point of view, i.e., six yeah. times that something could and should have been done about it, and it wasn't. And if you give good players which Rogic most certainly is, if you give good players the time and space to do what they are good at, then they will hurt yeah. you. And that's exactly what we saw. It was an error. I have a bit of sympathy for both Doherty and Goss, primarily because neither of them are naturally defensive players. That's not their game. And therefore, although they can do it better than I've said earlier about you know, when when Windass does it, it looks, you know, like forced, like he's remembering to do it. With them, they, they, they do do it, and they do do it a bit better, but it's not the first point of call. The way that Ross McCrory, if you think back to the Aberdeen game at Ibrox, was a, a great yeah. example of this. That's just a guy who senses danger. He's just aware of where it's, mm. it's happening. And that's a natural thing. That's not necessarily something that you you automatically do if that hasn't been your role. And that's what happened. And unfortunately, you can get it right against good players nine times out of ten, but they will punish you on the tenth. And that's what happened to us. And then we made several mistakes at other goals, and and in the end, that was what cost us. Yeah. See, on your point, I think I'd be more inclined to drop Goss rather than Windass. Yeah, then you're still play, the only thing is you're not structurally altering the team. You still get the same problem, which is three against two. Because that that's the, yeah. the the key ingredient in that. So it's it's not really, it's not about dropping Josh Windass because he's Josh Windass. It's because of the okay. type of player yeah. that he is. Um, because if you you can bring in any other midfielder, they're still going to get overrun at points, and that's therefore going to be a struggle against us. Um, we need to make sure we've got guys in there who can occupy. The opposition midfielders, because Celtic next month will probably Brown and Cham and one other, probably Rogic, and yeah. um, you need strength in there. And uh, if you go, even if you then put say Dorans and and Doherty in there, I think that you still have the same issue, which is you've got two strong players, and okay, they can compete against those two strong players, but the third guy who mirrors ours. Their guy, Rogic, comes back naturally, fits in and adds, makes the three. Our guy doesn't have that ability. Doesn't. And that's and that, I think, was the, the, the key difference at that match. 
was the key difference against Hibs in the first half, particularly when they, they really ran all over the top of us. And yeah. absolutely, it was the key difference against Kilmarnock, who just repelled us with no baller whatsoever. Yeah. Going on to the Kilmarnock game, uh, was it a wrong decision to drop Morelos? Yeah, with hindsight it was, yeah. Um, but I'm not going to hang the manager out to dry on that because I didn't say before it, that's a terrible error. Others did, so they are entitled to say... I said before the game that was wrong um, but before it I could kind of see the logic in it but yeah. what you saw I thought almost immediately I thought 20 minutes in was that it wasn't just about you know Morelos what, what he does it's about what he brings which is an outball constantly and yeah. the defenders and the midfielders were consistently looking up for the runs that he makes and they weren't there so they were having to stop and turn inside and start again and the frustration mounted and we know what happens at Ibrox when the mood turns that way and I think that you saw that time and time again that they were looking for things that you get from Morelos that Cummings who's a good player but offers something different wasn't provided then you add into it that a lot of them had an off day I mean Rangers front four which has been excellent in recent weeks before the Celtic match and even at times during the Celtic match yeah, all four of them had a horror show uh, I don't think any of them got above 4 out of 10 for me and that was a huge part of the problem yeah. on Cummins I'm a big fan of Jason do you think he looks better to play in a 2 than just about for himself because if you look back at his uh, even his time at Hibs he looked a much more effective when he's playing alongside someone yeah I think so uh, in football you know Nothing happens in a vacuum, you know, everything is interlinked. So if you want yeah. to play this system that Graham Marty seems to have adopted and seems to like and has had a yeah. bit of success with and it's been good to watch, but then you need a striker who can bully defenders, who can run the channels constantly, who can hold the yeah. ball up. Although Jason Cummings is better at holding the ball up than he gets credit for, he's still not as good at it as Morelos. The, the, the really frustrating thing about our two strikers is you've got one whose all-round striking play is brilliant, but his finishing is a bit haphazard. And you've got one yeah. who's a deadly finisher who's not as good at the all-round yeah. striking play. Um, which of course begs the question do you try and use a system then that fits them both in the team and that's maybe yeah. something the manager needs to look at yeah one thing I, one second can you hear me still alright yeah 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 fine uh, um, one thing I would potentially look at is I, I, I don't know playing four four two or 2 up front against Celtic kind of terrifies me about what we could potentially do to us um, so maybe I, I liked it in the cup but I, I still think Cummins you know, there's a lot of bravado to him. He's a good laugh, but I don't know if he's going to be the guy who's going to topple Celtic for us. I think he's got. I, I, I think about Jason Cummings' attitude is, is that he doesn't bother if he misses a chance. And I wish Morelos had more of it. It's that gallusness we talk about in Scottish players. And yeah. I, I think he's the type of guy who thinks he'll be a match winner in a big match. And sometimes you need that. I go back years to the Fiorentina penalty that. Nacho went up and hit and the, yeah. the, there was also a winning penalty in a League Cup final against the United that season 2008 that Chris Boyd went up to hit the winning penalty oh, and, yeah. and both times I knew they were going to score now they weren't our best players yeah. at the time You know, Nacho was never the, the most technically talented player no. in the world Boyd could be brilliant but in certain matches not so much but both of them didn't go up and go 
all the responsibilities on me. This is, you know, all that. Both of them couldn't wait. They grabbed the ball and they belted up there. And it was like, yes, I'm going to be the match winner. And yeah. Cummings has that about him. So although there's a great story that Alex Ferguson told in his book about the 1990, this is going back way before your time, 1990 FA Cup final replay, which yeah. they used to do in those days. And Jim Layton, yes, Alice, yeah. yes, Jim Layton was his goalkeeper and they'd had a, a nightmare in the first mm-hmm. game. And Ferguson said, so I, I was wondering if I should drop him and play my reserve keeper. And he said, the, the reserve keeper was a guy called Les Seeley. He said he wasn't as good a goalkeeper as Jim Layton, but he thought he was. And at that point, that was what I needed. Um, mm-hmm. And Cummings brings you that. I'd be quite, you know, I I'd, I'd certainly wouldn't be starting him in that match, but a great guy to have off the bench. And yeah, if you go back to the 0-0 game in, Janu- uh, in uh, December, yeah. Imagine if we'd been able to take Morelos off after those two misses and put Cummings on, rather than the only option was Herrera. Oh, I know, yeah. See, I think you're right on your all-point or all-round play. I think um, Morelos will do more work for you, back into you more, but if you've got a one-on-one and you want someone to smell blood, Cummings is your man. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that, that, that's just where we are as a club, uh, financially, where the league is in terms of its attractiveness, that... You know, if Alfredo Morelos was a deadly finisher on top of everything else, well, never mind, you know, £10 million bid from China, he'd be £30, £40 million bids from Spain because he's, you know, his all-round game is sensational. He just needs to learn, I think, both to finish better and more consistently because he can finish at times. Yeah. I, look, all strikers miss chances. I just think that with Alfie... When he misses a big chance, you can see him sag, you know, even from the stands. And he needs to develop that Ali McCoy attitude of, oh, well, that just means I'm more likely to score the next one. Yeah. And, you know, he's a young guy as well. Yeah. I think he's a a cracking player, don't get me wrong. I think he's a terrific player. No, I like him as well. Some of this sort of idiocy that people have come out, yes, it was a horror miss against Celtic. And yes, that's now two games against Celtic and you do get judged on them. But he's not a bad player. And... Put it this way, Bill Leckie thinks he's not a good player. So that, there you go. There's proof. In yeah, fact, my, my case yeah. is now resting on the floor that Alfredo Morelos is quite clearly a good player. Good player, right. We'll leave Bill Leckie to it. He's never coming on this pod. No. And, uh, anyway, so we're going to move on to the SPFL in general. Um, the other week before uh, the, game, the game against Celtic on a Sunday, I actually went, I went to my first Edinburgh Derby on the Friday night. Did you watch it? I did. Yeah, uh, well, you, I thought it was pretty flat. I think it. I was in the heart sense, so it was pretty flat in there in the second half. But I enjoyed the atmosphere first half. I walked round the corner, and it was pretty dead until I walked round. There was red flares going off on a drum, and I had quite a few. My friend was meant to come with me, so I ended up drinking there by myself. I got quite into it pretty early on. I've never seen an entertaining Edinburgh derby. Maybe just being yeah. lucky, but I've been watching them. You know, highlights or whatever for 30 years and they are always kick and rush but then derbies quite often are and yeah. they're so intriguing if you are a fan of the club because you know you so badly want to win it it's not unique to us I've seen several rubbish Juventus Torino matches for example and yeah. sometimes if you're a fan you're so engrossed and caught up in the you know we need to win this we need to win this that you don't realise that the game itself is actually terrible and it's funny because we watch uh, we do a lot of historic shows on our site and we watch old matches and some of the old fun games from the 90s 
they would get football stopped. And I mean, these were decent sides, but just the tension overwhelmed them. And I think that yeah. happens a lot in Hearts Hibs games because they're usually more often than not. You know, I know recently uh, Hibs were down for a bit, and then obviously I suppose Hearts were as well. But quite often Hibs and Hearts are going for the same slots. Yeah. And because of that, the games tend to always have a meaning, even over and above pride, that the points are actually important, much in the same way as, hopefully soon as well, the old firm games are. Yeah. Um, but entertainment, no. I mean, the one that Hearts won previously in season, that was a terrible game as well, the 1-0 victory. Yeah. Um, what I'm enjoying about Hearts this season is Craig Levine's No Fucks Left to Give tour. Where <laughs> yeah, well, I can't... He doesn't care. Yeah, he just does not care who he annoys. He's going to wind people up. He's going to try and cause a reaction. And to be fair, if he tries and causes a reaction with the likes of Lennon and Brown and they bite, he's going to do it. He's not going to stop if you bite. You know, that, yeah. that's the exact opposite of what he's going to You can just imagine him sitting in his office at Tynecastle laughing. But the thing about Levine is, is he knows that this is now his last important job um, he's yeah. very well away yeah, he's, he's had his time away at Scotland um, he knows that this is as big a job as he's going to have and he's doing things the way he wants to you can see that um, they do have a good side hearts he's doing okay with them better obviously than Cathro did but you or I, I could have like, I would like to people to rein in on this Christoph Berra for player of the year chat it's a shout. I mean, you have to you have to say that for what he's been asked to do, um, he's been terrific. Um, he, he's a good player, but I think someone made a suggestion, like someone on Twitter, like saying we should have signed him. I actually don't think he was slot into our team very well, or many other teams. It's look, you never know. I mean, With a guy going back to a club that he has a fondness for, that can raise yeah. his level. Um, but sometimes in Scotland, we, especially as a Rangers fan. The amount of times I've heard, oh, he must be pissy plays for you know a Scottish team. We do it yeah. all the time. We we underrate the game. Christoph Berra has looked to me like what he is a, a solid English Championship player. Yeah. is coming up here. It's not a surprise that Malumbu looks like what he is, which is an EPL quality player yeah. playing in a, a lot a lesser league. Yeah. Hey, well, I just remembered who we've got centre half, and I'd probably definitely take him. Berra. Um but see your point, Malumbu. Yeah, I totally agree. I reckon. Probably looks like one of the best midfielders in the country right now. Yeah, because um, he, he is. Do like the look up. Sorry, you go. No, but he is. That's the thing about Malumbo. He looks like what yeah. he is—a guy who arrived trying to get fit, doing, getting a favour and doing a favour back for an old manager he clearly likes. Um, Kilmarnock yeah. fans will tell you that he won't be there past the summer. He had an offer from Bordeaux that didn't quite pan out in January, um, but he's getting fit and doing them a ton while he's done it but he looks every inch like a guy from a higher league playing in a poorer one yeah. i tell you who I do like from Hearts like uh, John McLaughlin I think he's a good keeper I was surprised at how old he was though I, I agree but uh, I was a touch surprised I, I didn't realise he was 30 is he not old? I yeah. didn't know that no I, I didn't either and I was a bit surprised the, the counter argument to that is goalkeepers now your know, 30's nothing so yeah. yeah, he's he's a good goalkeeper, and I wonder if he'll pick yeah. up uh, if he'll pick up caps in the next yeah, couple well, of weeks. I think he'd definitely be in the shout now. Um, we're going to talk about uh, a bit about Aberdeen. Just well, we should talk about Hibs. Um, you know, there's not many t- teams. We've talked about the midfield free uh, who gave us problems, 
There's not many um, midfields outside them in the country who could do a good job, really. No, they're really solid in there. They've got good players, Habs. Um, I think still a little light up front, strangely, because um, yeah. I think that's probably their, 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 their weaker area. Um, I don't quite see what... Neil Lennon sees in Ambrose. Um, I, 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 old fashioned. I don't trust defenders who make that many ricks. Even if, yeah. they, even if the rest of their game is excellent, I don't trust defenders that make. But he obviously does. Um, they're solid at the back. The midfield is the best part of their team. Barker, the the youngster on loan from City, has looked. At points, yeah. excellent, and at other points, maybe not so much. Which, of course, is a youngster. You are going to get that. I understand yeah. that. Um, but overall, I think Hibs have, have been pretty solid. Um, I, I think they're where they deserve to be in the league. Um, but yeah. they'll they, they'll be looking towards the end of season and pushing to push up the way. Which I think is put it this way: the best six teams in Scotland are the top six, and that's why it's decided already. Yeah, I think that's very yeah. I agree with you with that. Aberdeen season was kind of looking at my doldrums uh, even about a month or so ago but you know they've beaten Kilmarnock in the cup on penalties and Dundee in the league and it just shows you how much you know one or two results can do for you because they're right back in amongst it now yeah Aberdeen kind of do cling in there um, Aberdeen are good at yeah. doing what they should do you know they, they they meet expectations if they were a golfer they would go round every course in 72 you know that's yeah. that's what they do. They beat the teams you expect them to beat, and they lose to the teams that you look at on paper and think mm, they might lose to that. Uh, yeah. Which is, I'm a touch worried that maybe that's Graham Murray's thing at the moment yeah. as well. But um, you know that that's they they hit par, and I think with the Aberdeen fans, that's maybe the frustration that that you can sense that they they sort of feel that they reach a level. And then they never get past it, and it does look that way. Look, there isn't anybody, and there isn't a single person in Scotland who isn't an Aberdeen fan, and even deep in their hearts is an Aberdeen fan, doesn't think that if, for example, Celtic get to that final, they will beat Aberdeen. Yeah, uh, that they won't rather because we know what happens when Derek McInnes runs in to Brendan Rodgers. We know what happens when Aberdeen go to Glasgow. Yeah, and it's it's so peculiar that even against Rangers and even Warburton's Rangers and they they did get that win at Ibrox when Rangers were kind of reduced to fielding Broxy, Roxy, and Boris. Um, yeah. you know at, at that point I think we'd like three debutants that night, but they did win. But if you look at their overall record against Rangers and Celtic, it's absolutely dreadful. I will give them that though. That Kilmarnock replay on paper, I thought looked. Like Kelly were the favourites, so that that is a big yeah. one, and that one should probably go into the the credit column because that I think a lot of people looking at that would have made Kelly favourites, and that's a good win. I fully expect them to beat Motherwell in the semi, um, and then I suppose they'll they'll see how they get on in the final. I, I would think they do too much for Motherwell in the semi um, because, as I say, they they beat teams you expect them to beat. Yeah. One thing I would say about Motherwell, they've seemed to have done well. You know, they sell people on. They seem to recruit well as well. Like they're not really miss- they've done well. Like coming back from get losing Malt, they look shaky at the st- post, but they've come back quite strong. Yeah, I mean, the- they did well to be art. Well. 
I think Motherwell are they're overly physical for me um, at times, and yeah. I think that you see that in certain matches equally as the performance of the weekend shows. They they marry that with commitment that you know yeah. at times you wish uh, you see a Rangers performance like we saw on Saturday, and then you see the Motherwell one on the Sunday, and you think. Mm. So I'm not going to knock them for that. It's it's kind of what they do. Um, I just I think Aberdeen have too much quality for them. I really do. And yeah. Aberdeen's problem isn't really quality. Aberdeen's problem is belief, and it happens time after time, and it's a vicious circle. The more they lose these matches, the more they expect to lose these matches. And the only way they'll put a stop to it is to, to put together a few victories. But that's easier said than done. But um, you know, I'd fully expect Aberdeen to come through that one. They'll continue. You know, in terms of who'll get second. Aberdeen will continue to win the matches you expect them to win, I think, and lose the matches you don't. I'd I'd expect Rangers to beat them. I'd expect Celtic to beat them in the in the last six. Hibs Aberdeen will be interesting. Um I think two evenly matched teams, but Aberdeen um I think for some reason they don't quite see that on the same par as they see the Glasgow game, which is odd, but um that that'll be in it that'll be I think a fairly pivotal fixture. Mm-hmm. I, uh... Moving down to the bottom of the table, Ross County, Partick Thistle, Hamilton and Dundee, that's what I'm picking who's still in real trouble. Because I'd say St Johnston are kind of fighting their way out now. St Johnston on paper shouldn't have been that far down. I do think that, as I say, the six teams with the emergence of Kilmarnock this season, yeah. they, they do deserve to be where they are. There's no, there's no coincidence it's finished now in terms of the top six. I think St Johnston are the best of those. Uh, and I think they do have enough about them to get through. They've got a decent manager. I think they'll be fine. The other ones, you know, Hamilton almost continue to overperform when you look at what they have. They don't have yeah. much. They really don't. And, you know, Martin Canning sometimes gets, I, I think, a little bit unfairly because they can get some really bad results, but then they can pick up some really good ones. And when you look at the quality of squad he's got, that, that's as much as you can ask, I think. Yeah. Um, there's there's not an, an awful lot of guys jumping out at you there. And of course, we stole their best player for a song. Yeah. So, I mean, even I, I actually feel guilty about that because, Jesus, 600 grand for that boy. I don't. <laughs> Stunning. Th- uh, I, I don't know what happened there, but thank thank you for, for doing yeah, that no, for I us. Think... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, you finish. Um, Thistle, Thistle some decent players. I, I would expect them to get out of it. If you if you ask me to pick one, Dundee, I I want to see do well because obviously Neil McCann and I, you know, yeah. like every Rangers fan, love love Neil McCann. I'd love to see him yeah. get them out of it. Uh, they're maybe the opposite of Hamilton in that you look at their squad and you think you should be a bit better than you are. They should be, yeah, um, sizable budget as well. And 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 you know, good good. Support uh, yeah, and they should be. They're underperforming. Of the rest, I don't. There's just something. Ross County are kind of giving off that whiff of doom um, that you can sometimes see. Hamilton aren't a side that panic being in there. They know what it's like. They do this. They win a playoff if it came to it as they, well. They'd fully expect to win a playoff. Um, I I don't know. I think if if you were asking me to put a bet on for automatic, then yeah, I would go. I would go for Ross County. I think that. St Johnson will be fine. Uh, I think they'll be fine before the end of of the the section, if you like the the bottom mm-hmm. six section. Yeah. Um, Dundee, I can see getting su- sucked into it unless they they buck up a bit. I think Thistle will be fine. Um, I I think 
I think Ross County will go and then the playoff will be between Hamilton and Dundee. Yeah. And I'd probably say what you'd probably fancy either of them with the teams coming up. If you get Dundee United. Well, in current in current Dundee form you won't get Dundee United. Um, based on yet another dismal result for them last night and that was an odd appointment. You know, like that 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 yeah. was an odd appointment. I didn't mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand. I obviously have no fondness at all for Dundee United, so by all means keep picking Diddy managers, but uh, people say, Well he did alright at Hearts, he did alright at Hearts over ten years ago. So yeah, it was about long ago, wasn't it? As yeah, well, yeah. 2007-2008, won the Football Writers Player of the Year, eh, Player Manager yeah. of the Year, the year Walter Smith took Rangers to <laughs> Manchester and won two trophies because he took Hearts to third. Um, those who think the press are up Rangers' arse, there's one for you. But uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was ten years ago, and I, I I think everybody found it a little bit of a strange appointment. Yeah. But they they've had such a terrible run of managers that quite clearly nobody at that club has any confidence in their ability to make a decision which is based on evidence <laughs> you know that's the, the, the right yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you chuck into the the overall atmosphere at the club is poison as we know from having owners who are incompetent slash evil uh, we, we had both they I think have incompetent um, yeah. in, in Thompson, and I mean that—that's never going to change. They—they they hate Thompson almost as much as we do. Like the old gag is the time he went and he, he sat with the Dundee United fans at Ibrox because he claimed he wouldn't be safe in the director's box. I think he'd be a lot fucking safer now um, yeah. than he would be in with their fans. And when you get into that position, that the malaise spreads through the club, and it's the old thing about you know there's something rotten at the heart, and that is Dundee United at the moment. If they got to the playoffs, I bet you, if they were the team that the Premier League team had to face, I think the Premier League team would be rubbing their hands because the pressure would be on Dundee United in a way that it wouldn't be on with Hamilton, which we saw, you know, with Hamilton before. And also remember the playoffs are absolutely slated and put together in a way that is to try and keep the team below down and the team up. That, I mean... A team finishing third or fourth, and it happened to us. Now, obviously, yeah. I'd never given it a moment's thought because I never assumed it would uh, be something. And I'm not complaining about it. Incidentally, the rules are the rules. You all know it. Rangers fucked that season royally. It was their own fault. But when you are third or fourth at the end of a long season and you have to then play a minimum of six games, whereas the Premier League team gets a holiday for a wee bit to recuperate and then has to play two games. You can't say that's a fair system. It clearly isn't. No. Um, talking about ten years ago, we're going to roll back to some happier days, David. Um, we're going to talk about our favourite European nights at Ibrox. So it's, been in t- it's been ten years since we got to Manchester. So um, what are your some favourite European nights at Ibrox? Dynamo Kiev in 1987 which was a legendary night um, the noise I, I was just a kid uh, I think it was a nine but the noise that night was incredible almost frightening and uh, Rangers won 2-0 to, to go through against Dynamo Kiev who were one of the best teams in Europe and the thing about Europe in those days was you didn't know everything about the opposition you know the way you do now especially yeah. you know in Soviet era um behind the Iron Curtain a lot of it was mysterious so you only really saw these players at international tournaments and in Europe and they had all these you know, great players um, and Rangers were, were good enough to go through that was one uh, Parma 
the, we'd done that in the show this week 2-0 at Ibrox was an amazing night because you know Scottish teams aren't supposed to beat you know we're not we're not supposed to beat Italian teams in Europe it's just not something that, yeah. that happens but if I could pick a, a kind of if you like one that maybe doesn't get as much love as I feel it should would be Rangers 4 PSV 1 um, from that same season because that was a was really that, um, the anniversary of that was pretty not the anniversary but it was um, that, that came up my news feed not that long ago no it's it uh, might... 1999 so it's a wee while to go yet to the anniversary but it was just a, a cracking performance Rangers had a really good side Ibrox yeah. was absolutely mental and mm. even though we lost the match I would pick the first time we played Manchester United at Ibrox because there is something special at Man United I'm not you know one of these people who uh, hates Man United. I, I, I had not. I'm, yeah, my father's uh, from from Northern Ireland, so um, yeah. you know over there a lot of a lot of people have an English team as as one of their main sides. So an yeah. uncle who was a big Man United fan. So I've never had um, I've never had a problem with them. And under Ferguson, I thought they always played attacking football and were good yeah. to watch. Not so much now, but <laughs> they were always good to watch. But yeah. When they came that night, it was Manchester United. It was a big night. It felt it. That was uh, that was my first ever Champions League game. Actually, well, home prop because I had a home Copenhagen game that year. That was my first group stage Champions League game. But three tenors were on the pitch pre match. Yes, and you'll remember that. Uh, you'll remember that the noise at the start of that was just incredible because yeah, the, it was one of the myths that people like to peddle in Scotland is that you know. Parkheads, this amazing European night fortress in Ibrox. It's just the rest of us are kind of sitting disinterestedly flicking through a, a copy of the paper and occasionally looking up and going, "Come on, Rangers!" It's, it's not you know European nights at Ibrox are amazing, um, certain ones, but yeah, that night, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's the same as I've, I've, you know sometimes when Celtic are playing. You know, I watched Celtic Anderlecht at Parkhead earlier this season. That was not a glorious atmosphere. <laughs> Um, no. But it, it does like every football club depend. You know, Liverpool famous atmosphere. Sometimes it's absolutely rank rotten. Manchester United rank rotten, but big games. And the Manchester United game was huge. It felt big. And yeah. I remember Gary Neville in his book. He said, he goes, when we were lining up for the Champions League music, I looked up and there were people jumping up and down doing the bouncy in the director's box. And he said yeah. he turned around to Phil and went, this is not fucking normal. <laughs> he said, one of the best <laughs> atmospheres. He said one of the best atmospheres he's ever played in. Oh, and one other... The whole stadium was going. And one other, if I could say one more, it would be um, Rangers 2, Marseille 2 in 1992 was a splendid game. Yeah. Um, that's a good selection, man. A lot of them before my day. Um, I'll kick off my two worst, then I'll do my favourites. Right? Okay. Uh, Victoria, Victoria Zivkov oh, 2002 uh, fuck. <laughs> Ex- exercise. Oh. <laughs> Although you could argue That going out of Europe That early maybe helped us When we went on and won the treble Definitely. Oh, Maybe yeah. wasn't the worst thing yeah. at the end up yeah, tell you what, I wouldn't have minded one or two more rounds though. <laughs> I think yeah. we still won the treble and had like one or two. That that might have helped, yes, but uh, yeah. but oh, that was a grim night, grim performance. A team that they weren't good. You know, there are teams that oh. I've seen Rangers lose to good sides. I saw us lose to Valencia, who along with Red Star Belgrade in nineteen ninety 
who won it and uh, that Valencia team that got to the final two years in a row with Mendieta, Achille Gonzalez, guys like that they're the best oh, you can that, uh, yeah. yeah, Juventus who had Del Piero, Ravinelli, Viale they, I mean, I think we touched the ball three times um, mm-hmm. y- it's disappointing but you're like, right, fair enough they're really good but Victoria's has got weren't yeah, uh, Una Rea was a Cheney as well, 4-1. Like, I remember we were 1-0 up in that game as well, and it could have been 2 if Naismith got a penalty, um, but he got booked for, he didn't even get booked for a dive, he just ruled it was a dive. Then we ended up getting scudded. That was a miserable campaign, that whole one, actually. Yeah, it was. That was just one too many, I think, for, for Walter. We were just absolutely dreadful that year. Every game felt flat, and we just we just couldn't get going at all. Um, yeah, the, the 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 whole campaign was stilted. Mm-hmm. We we finished bottom of that group that year, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I think we did. Because yeah. I don't remember. The, the year after we came third, and that was all right actually. Then we got we had a wee run in the Europa League again. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we didn't deserve anything from that group. I think we only drew. Like we might have drawn two matches and lost four. So you, yeah, it was. Oh no, I looked at it earlier. It was drawn two, lost four. Some yeah, you, hammering's in there as well. You, you can't, we drew the first one with Stuttgart away. As well, Bergera scored that goal, and we're like, all right. But no, the worst was to come. Yeah. But talking about Stuttgart, I've got my two favourites down, well, three favourites down here. I've got Stuttgart 04 with um, who scored got Lovenkrantz, and can't remember who got the other one. Lovenkrantz was a beauty. Uh, was it not Charlie Adam? No, he's 07. 07, right, I'm confusing yeah. the two, yeah. Uh, um, yes, he's, he steps inside and curls a beauty. Yeah, but I, but that was the night. Yeah, I used to, I used to call Charlie Adam Charlie Beckham for quite a while after that. And I say that was the night he was born. Definitely. Yeah, I was. We probably argue maybe the free kick under wall against Celtic when he was born. But for me that night, and Darshaw scored a penalty. He did, yes. And yeah. a great comeback. We were one down. Yeah. Um. Was it a friend of mine that night had one pound on Mario Gomez first goal scorer in two one Rangers expert betting that. Not bad at all. Yes, well played. <laughs> Um, later on, uh, Bremen 2008 as well. Uh, 2 0. Should have been 3 0. Kuzan had a chance to make it another in the second half. Where goalie had a stinker. I can't remember who it was. We were talking about. Um, I think it was Timo Hildebrand. Was that the goalkeeper? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but we were talking about Daniel Kuzan on one of our shows the other day. And yeah. when he could be asked. Daniel Kuzan yeah, was, was as yeah. good a striker and as close to Mark Hately and his pomp as you could have imagined. However, uh, we didn't get it that often. And not just us, because if you look at his career, everywhere he went, they would say the same thing. And that's why yeah. he, he continually moved about. But when he could be arsed, and against Bremen that night, man, could he be arsed. He was unplayable because he, he was strong. He could hold the ball up. He could header it. He battered defenders. He could finish. He was quick. And then other times he couldn't control the ball and didn't look like he cared. Yeah. No, I think that sums it all up about Kuzan as well. He's got a good goal at Parkhead as well. And did he get a set off in the same game? Yeah, that day he absolutely blittered them. That's uh, the 4-2 game at Parkhead. And he... It was his last game for Rangers and he absolutely destroyed him. It was a surprise call by Walter to put him mm-hmm. in and people were like, Kuzan, he's leaving. Um, and he battered McManus and Gary Caldwell. They, they, he eventually got sent yeah. off, but it didn't matter. And then McManus was so rattled, he got himself sent off. Um, yeah. But he destroyed them that day. And again, it must have just been something in training because there would be games you couldn't play the guy against Albion Rovers. 
um, because he would be a man down. But there were other times where when, I don't know, maybe the lunar cycle was right, he was amazing. And that was that was another one. I think that's why Daniel Kuzan still quite fondly remembered. And I maintain, had he not got sent off in Florence, we would have had a, a chance, a stronger chance of winning that, that game in Manchester. Yeah. Um, what we you start him instead of Darshville? Yes. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, David, I think we're going to call it there. We've had I've had you for quite a while. I know it's a Wednesday night, and I was going to say it's your night off, but you said to me you're semi-retired actually, so I didn't even mind that. Much. I don't feel that bad. That bad. Ah, but then I pointed out that it's like seventy hours a week. Seventy on the hours site, a week. So. Ah, so it's yin and yang. It's yin and yang. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no football. Well, international football this week. Um, are you go. Are you going to roll away? Uh, no, I won't be going my well away, but I'll, um, uh, I'll be going to, I think, probably I'll the rest of the home. games of the season. But um, no, I won't be going to, to, to Motherwell away, but very much looking forward to it. We're actually doing a watch-along on the site this week so that people still get their fill of football. Um, and the, the, the punters are voting on which game they want to, they want us to. Because we did it for the 3-0 win at Parkhead in 1999, and people seem yeah. to enjoy it. So we're, uh, we're, we're having a vote as we speak. And uh, yeah. then we'll pick a game that's on YouTube, do a watch along, and people can put yeah. the game on, listen to us, and, and it's it's like watching a game with your mates. Yeah, nice. Well, we actually, after the defeat last Sunday, we all watched that game. Yeah, well... <laughs> so it, I think, I think it's subconsciously been inspired by you. Yeah, right. well, I, I so think that's David, a good idea. Pardon? I think that's a good idea. It's uh, after you freeze your nuts off. Someone had a great idea for you know when the players have to watch the game back, uh, yeah. they should have been made to watch it in a fridge the way we were. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Right, David, I'm going to call it there for a night. For a night. Cheers for coming on. Pleasure. But see you later on, David. Thank you, Harry. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Uh, good game. Good performance. Good team performance. Uh, we came here and we showed what a couple of.